welcome to Wendy's Words of Wisdom. This week, the lovely Ruth Bratt is joining me. Yay! Hello. Welcome. Thanks. I've not seen you for... Ruth and I have known each other for a long time. Ages. Ages. When did we meet? Was it... Was it Funny Women? Funny Women. Funny Women. Uh, it was, wasn't it? It was Funny Women. Yeah. And I, I don't... When was that? 2004, five. Four, five. Well, I didn't start until... I didn't start doing stand-up until end of 2004. Yeah. So it must have been 2005. Started. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's ages. It is. Ten years. Ten years. It's our ten-year anniversary. And here we are, celebrating it, talking nonsense. Uh, I'm talking wisdom. Wisdom. Yeah, it's stuff that you're interested in that I don't know about, mm. which is pretty much everything. Ruth, you're very well known. You're, you're in, oh, yeah, you're in yeah. Derek, aren't you? I was in the first series, yes. Oh. Not the second series. Not the second series. No. How come? Um, I think... I don't know. I actually don't know. Oh, really? Um, this is just one of these, like, oh, cool, here comes the second series. Uh, yeah, guys? Uh, guys? Well, it, yeah, it was a weird one, because when, when I went up for it, mm-hmm. uh, me and Ricky uh, had a proper laugh in the, in the audition. Like, really, like, proper laughing. And then in my recall, Kerry was there, so that was really nice, because I met Godman. Kerry Godman for yeah. ages as well. Uh, so that was really lovely. And then when it came to the pilot, um, I think because he'd had so much... Uh, stick about what the character was and the character that I was playing was also on the edge of learning difficulties yeah and and that wasn't what I was doing I was just I just opened my eyes really wide I find it really interesting how people get outraged by things they see on television that they think are laughing at certain people people and but we're all so different you see people on the street and you think yeah. so often I see things on the street and I think if I did that in a sitcom or if I acted that in a sketch people would think oh that's way over the top that's unbelievable but yeah. people are way over the top yeah, aren't people, they? yeah. And, and you're going we're not gonna there's no diagnosis for these characters it's not like you're gonna go well what I'm doing here is and, I did my research and I think what happened was and there's also something really weird about it's kind of okay there's a thing that's okay if you're doing drama, but if you're doing comedy, somehow that's not okay. Yeah. You know. Cause... Is that like political correctness? Because Jerry Seinfeld has said that political correctness is damaging comedy this week. Oh, has he? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I think it can. I, I mean, well, I was talking about this the other day as well. Like, the things that we think are okay now, like, you know, in 50 years' time, are they yeah. going to be okay? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Know. Well, I find myself stumbling on things that my kids go, <gasps> Mummy. Because I said something like, I think I said special needs. And the kids were like, well, you don't say that anymore. It's learning difficulties. And they were more, like, they were properly mortified at me. Oh, wow. But then also, when I read that thing about Jerry Seinfeld saying that political correctness is damaging comedy, I kind of thought, oh, here we go. Here, here come the racists. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, someone a, yeah. Jump on their backpack. <laughs> There's going to be a whole slew of like, I'm not racist, right? But, but you, yeah, yeah. But that's the weird thing. So like, it's because it has to come from what your intention is. I think that's the only way you can you, you can separate some of these things. Like, you go, well, what is your intention? Is your intention to have a victim that you are making fun of, or is your intention something totally different? And you know, I I'm not going to speak for. Derek, I don't know. I don't know what the intention was entirely. But I do know that my part kind of slowly disappeared from pilot to series one. It kind of slowly disappeared. And then they were recording when I was up in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I, I flew down 
on my one day I off. I remember you doing yeah, that. It was Nico, horrible. Why are you doing that? What? Yeah. But then I don't think people understand the bubble no. in Edinburgh. You're just it, so exhausted. It was exhausting. And flying down, and I hate flying anyway, so then I was just like, I'm like a massive tense crazy person. Yeah, yeah, like really hate it. We flew what, to... What do you think is going to happen? I think we're all going to die. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I don't think you can actually fly. Sorry for opening and laughing. <laughs> no, oh, idiot. Uh, Sorry. But it's true, because I think planes only stay up because we believe they're going to. But do you think someone puts it out into the universe? Yeah, that, hey guys. Hey guys, let's just have this let's in the just air. Have let's it. all pray. It's all be fine. What about science or physics? I or... don't really understand science. I got kicked out of physics because <laughs> I, I couldn't understand it. They went, you can't take this. You're going to really skew our results table. Isn't that <laughs> terrible? Yeah. It's only now that I'm a parent that I realise that um, it's so important. Because one of my one of my kids, and um, I'm not going to say who, was at a certain level and it wouldn't have taken that much more to get to the next level. And I said, can we get an extra bit of, of teaching? And the teachers were like, no, 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 he, he, this child is fine at this level. And then with a little bit more coaching, they went to the next level. And of course, the school's grade average comes up as well. So it's in their interest to have kids doing better. But if they think that it's, you know, they're going to perform at this level, they're going to do the work on the people at the bottom yeah, to bring, to them, bring up, them up. And the people at the top to get them going further on. And then the ones, the in, ones the in the middle can just bump along nicely, thank you very horrid, much. It's horrid, isn't it? But you know, if you're going to put um, levels of expectations on schools in the way that certain government people do, yeah. then schools are going to play the same game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get why I was kicked out of physics. <laughs> I get it. Because <laughs> I, I didn't but get it. what about it. the Van de Graaff generator? Wasn't that the most fun ever? I don't think I ever did that. I just remember sitting there. Put your there. hand on that and your oh, hair stands Oh, your hair on goes it. out. Yeah. yeah. See, cause when, so when I was 12... I really liked science, uh, and it, that was when we were living in uh, America, and um, I you loved in science. America. Yeah, where about? Sorry, I'm going to go off a tangent. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Wow. Yeah, because my dad it? worked for BP, and BP bought out so high oil, and then they took out loads of expats to go and set up. Oh wow! So you've gone from the controversy from. <laughs> From Derek to talking about how your father worked in oil. <laughs> Look at you winning all the <laughs> winning all sides. <laughs> guys, guys, my dad, my dad goes up to Edinburgh every year uh-huh. with my, with my mum. Uh, they've gone for like the whole festival for the last three years, like, and they just see. I think last year they saw like a hundred and fifty shows or I something. Remember you saying that's amazing. Yeah, they're really they're, they really love it. I don't think they're going this year for the whole thing. But um, there was one year where a friend of mine was in a play about BP, um, but it was a verbatim piece. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, and, and my, verbatim for those who don't know is when... is when they interview people and then actors uh, repeat it on stage as said verbatim. Exactly there we as go. said. Uh, and my dad, my dad went and saw it, and afterwards went over to Nell and went, "Yes, it was very good." Now, can I just tell you the oil side? <laughs> In my defence, yeah, in my defence, we went. My um, other half was in the RSC for a year once, and um, it was sponsored by BP. And on the opening night, these protesters went out to protest about BP sponsoring the Royal Shakespeare Company. And you kind of go, "Come on, dudes!" And obviously, they were failed actors, yeah, activists. Well, and and they got on stage and they just did this dreadful song, and I was kind of like, "This is why you didn't." This is why. You're tu- you've turned your anger in the wrong direction. Yeah, but I mean, if BP didn't sponsor it, there wouldn't be an RSC, right? Oh, 
I mean, it's a horrible thing. So you need but... people to do bad stuff, so they try and make themselves well, look good. Well, and also, good. like, BP don't do, you know, this is from the, and my brother now works there, so, you know, obviously it's oh, in party the family. Line. Uh, <laughs> it's but in I the mean, they're, they're both kind of on the out, so my dad made corporate video, that was his job. Okay, so uh, he was in the creative side of oil. He was in the creative oil. side of oil. <laughs> uh, I don't really know what my brother does. Really? Train, training, training, training. Training. What is that? What is that? Training. Training. Trains people. That's good. Uh, to do... To do stuff in BP. <laughs> well, I hope it's not to explain what they do in BP, because otherwise you, you'd be rubbish at I'd that. I'd be rubbish. I I, uh, this is the thing with jobs, to go off on a tangent. Right, I understand, them. like, teacher, lawyer, actor, you know, gardener. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to things like IT consultant, like, what yeah. is that? What do you actually do? I actually do panic do? when I ask audience members what they do. I tend to veer off it, not because I'm an original comic... But because if somebody asks me something and I think, oh, I've got no idea what that is. And they go, management consultant. I'm like, oh, cool. So you consult on like management. management. Which is no, basically I... what they do, is it? Is it? I don't know. Yeah. But then what did we... I mean, what... There was another guy the other night there who said he was in corporate travel. And I was like, does that mean you're a bus driver? <laughs> I don't even... <laughs> What does that mean? Did you say that? No, I didn't. Oh, you should have Well, he was one of those sort of company direct people, and they, you know, as oh, they can comics, bit, they can yeah. be really tricky. So you just have to call them a wanker and move on. Yeah. Because if you try and engage them in anything, they try and be smarter than you, and you're just like, do you know what? Oh, you cannot win at this because I've the audience are on my side it. at the minute. Yeah. I'm louder. <laughs> I'm louder. <laughs> a lot louder. So you liked science in Cleveland, Ohio. I did. See how I got it back there? Well done. We used to, uh, we used to do, like, interesting stuff, like making... Um, we had to make uh, models of the solar system, you know, oh, out wow. of wire and Play-Doh and, you know, like I loved all that stuff. I suppose because it was creative and I understood that side of it. But then when it got to, all I remember of physics in, um, in like when I got back home and was getting towards GCSE and all of that was just lots of numbers and there theories is, yeah. that I just went, ah, I don't know. And I mean, I was bad at maths. So well, there's physics a point when like physics a... becomes a bit mathsy. Yeah. And very like, similar. Oh, oh, what you've done it. there is ruined it. You've brought numbers into the <laughs> equation, literally. Literally, and all I wanted to do was make plasticine models. Come and on, guys. Yeah, and then and pump water into an old lemonade bottle so yeah. it's shot into the air like a rocket. Like, what's wrong with doing that? Amazing. Um, how was life in Cleveland, Ohio? I loved it. Well, I hated it when we got there. It's funny. How old were you there for? I was... Uh, so we were there for like 18 months, I think. So I was... Old enough to remember. Yeah, 12 to like 13. Oh, that's cool. 13. Yeah. 12 to 13 and a half, maybe? About that, yeah. I'm trying to think <laughs> exactly when we went over. Maths. Maths. Yeah, that's why I didn't do very well in maths either. <laughs> yeah, I was there for 18 know, months. Like... <laughs> when I was 12 to when I was 16. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah we did. We lo- I loved it because it was, it was great. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. I'm not good with change. didn't Oh, really? And then when we got there, then I didn't want to come, didn't want to come home, didn't want to come <laughs> home. Uh, because it was, I think partly because uh, while we were out there, um, my dad was just much more available because we had so much more money. Because uh, <laughs> they, pay, they pay you, all, if you go somewhere as an expat, they pay you all these you know stipends and uh-huh. they help out with your accommodation costs and and also he had all so of his... So you liked it when you were richer? Yeah well also that my dad was around <laughs> yeah. for holidays it's and weird we'd because... go with him like if he because he traveled a lot when we were kids that's why we didn't see a lot of him and then but when we were in America he was like well this is the chance where we can actually see America 
Uh, so when he had to go on a work trip, he'd take us with him. Oh, wow. So we did loads, like tons and tons. What was your highlight of living in America? I really loved, I really loved uh, New Mexico. Really? Yeah. That's the Adobe buildings and stuff, yeah, is it? Yeah, Santa Fe, really. Just, I just loved it. I could have spent, well, I could, there's one of those places where you go, I could, I could live here. Oh, really? Yeah. My ex-mother-in-law says that about Santa Fe. It's really You never lovely. lose an in-law. Once, you, once you're married to someone, you can get an ex-husband, <laughs> but you've always got... I have a slew of, of in-laws. <laughs> In fact, my current mother-in-law and her partner and my ex-mother-in-law and her partner and my husband and I all went out for dinner. Oh. Yeah. So weirdly, abnormally normal. That is We had a lovely, lovely dinner and we all got drunk and drank wine. It's brilliant. Um, but she loves Santa Fe. Yeah, it's a really amazing place. What is it? She said, my, my mother-in-law says the energy of the place. Yeah, I think it is that. I think there's a real... Really? Um, yeah, it's kind of... Yeah. Yeah. There's something kind of magical about it. That sounds wanky, doesn't it? But magical Santa Fe. It really is. It's got like a kind of... I mean, it's still very much in touch with this. This is going to sound wanky, but with... I really uh, wouldn't worry about sounding wanky. You're in my room with like a mixture of biographies, <laughs> fairy books, <laughs> Russian dolls... Carry on. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and it was, it's, I think it's still the, the uh, First Nations who are there are still very much present in that area, whereas I don't think they are in lots of other bits of America. Okay. So, um, and the Navajo Indians, or they're probably not called Indians anymore, are they? That's probably wrong. Don't the worry Navajo about peoples are... Um, the Navajo Native Americans. Yes, are really quite, uh, quite incredible. They're, just just all of their culture and their history and their um their art is really something like it's and I'm it's laughing all... because I was thinking I was about to say well that's because like on Pocahontas which I watched the other night there and then thought no, no. probably don't bring Disney films in <laughs> as your point of reference Wendy <laughs> you know Pocahontas is buried in like Dartford or somewhere shut the front door yeah she came over here and... My like, youngest is going to go crazy with that information. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, but is it Dartford or... It's somewhere in Kent, anyway. Um, yeah. Why? Did she come back she over came, to see John Smith? No, the, she wasn't ever really in love with him. She married someone else. She married another English guy, I believe. So she then, had a type. Yeah. And then came over here and, and died and is buried... Yeah, she's buried somewhere in Kent. That's amazing. Yeah. Are all Disney films based on a little nugget of truth somewhere? That would be cool. Beauty and the Beast, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've all been there, haven't we, mate? Except <laughs> they never turn oh. into that prince at the end. <laughs> I only wish I could edit. <laughs> uh, wow. So, yeah. um, Santa Fe. And where else did you... Anywhere else amazing that you went to? Where did we go? We went We went everywhere, really. The Finger Lakes is amazing. That's Finger thing. Lakes? Yeah, it's in New York State. And they're just lakes that look like fingers on a hand so geographically that's what they look like they're really lovely um we went up to oh somewhere in canada there's a glacier you can walk on you know like a proper there's a really really unflattering picture of me in my dad's study wearing um a kind of mint green puffer jacket oh i love it <laughs> on a glacier it really how old so you were about 13 then yeah because i've really got one ungainly. i've got a bat wing i had a bat winged mint green thing with like yeah. white and sort of um cornflower blue di- diamond on it yeah just real 80s color combo yeah my i had a bat wing thing that was kind of i think it was i think it had kind of 
it had diamonds, but I think it was blue with white diamonds on it. I loved my buttons. So did I. So did I. I felt so. And then I felt so grown up. So did yeah. I. And then when I got to about fifteen, I got a get this bat wing off the shoulder top. Oh, yeah. So I could show a little bit of stuff because obviously I still had the huge bazookas. So I had to have, I had to have the the uh, scaffolding type bra. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a little bit of off the shoulder action. I was so jealous of girls that didn't need bras yeah. and could just go completely off the shoulder, off the shoulder with nothing there. Oh wow. Yeah, I didn't grow boobs till I was in my twenties. Oh really? Yeah, my boobs were quite flat and unimpressive also uh, I used to wear bodies a lot and all that's going to do is just flatten, flatten them out did you wear bodies when you started drinking? yeah not, not for long <laughs> there's nothing more bonding than asking a girl yeah. in the bathroom if she could do Please up your help. body <laughs> I can't get my body done up I need some help all those times when you st- kind of just let it hang out like ah I'll be fine and then the tail's going out of my oh yeah oh. Those were the days. They were. I do remember once wearing a, um, a, <laughs> a like a cat suit. It wasn't a cat suit, but it was, I suppose. It was leggings, you know, and a, and a top. That's and a, a cat top. suit. It was a cat suit, and a big. What's, what, what's the shame about cat suits? I, oh God, I look embarrassed. Wear one now. I think I am embarrassed about it. I wonder I've told, why. I've told the children because you get to that level where the body shame kicks in, and it's just not yeah. necessary at all. Um, I've told the kids that this year for Halloween we have to go with the Incredibles, <laughs> non-negotiable. Oh, those, but those things, right, so I had to wear one of those for a show yeah. we used to do murder mysteries, like an Incredibles suit. I can I can tell you where to get them from, really well, cheap, Japan. The teenager is um, freaking out about it, she's like, I really want to go, because she wants to go as like a sexy, they're really flattering. A sexy bunny or something. They're really flattering, you'd be so surprised. <laughs> I'd like to get all, like, insist that all the kids wear Incredibles outfit because they're raging about it. Like, why do we have parents that even care about Halloween? <laughs> do it. Suck it up. Do it. We're all going as Incredibles. <laughs> I think that's really interesting what you said about your dad because um, I do feel like, even like now, that par- parents think your kids want stuff and you want to buy them stuff, but they yeah. just want time. Yeah, and I mean... You know, my parents were great in lots of ways and, and made as me- as much time for us as they possibly could. But my dad's job was filming stuff to do with BP. And BP's massive and is all over the country, all over the world. Oh. Sorry, that sounds like all over the country. All, all over the world. And uh, <laughs> Culture <sorry>. Secretary, Chris <laughs> Hunt. Um, so he would travel constantly to go and, you know, film on the North Sea rigs or to film in Russia. But he didn't or... want to go on that trip. Yeah. No, well, he's got a massive beard, so they used to get really cross because you're not allowed... You didn't used to be allowed beards on North Sea oil rigs. Why? Because you can't fit the safety suit over your face. It doesn't The seals don't fit because of the beard. You're not so. allowed a beard, but they, bur- they burn... Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's one of the safety. And furthermore, you're not allowed to have a long pinky nail on your right hand. I think the one he really hated was when he had to go on the North Sea rig and Maggie Thatcher was visiting, and he had to film her. And my dad hated Thatcher. Really, like, hated her. <laughs> <laughs> and was just like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I have to be on a. Imagine being on an oil rig with her. That's a confined space to yeah. be dealing with Margaret Thatcher. I mean, you know, there was probably opportunity for... <laughs> for a, an accident at an sea. An accident at sea, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so he travelled a lot. So he just wasn't... Right. He just wasn't around. And, you know, every year we had a, a three-week holiday, the whole family. Uh, and the whole family is you and your brother bro- and... Just the four of us. Four of us. Uh, and we would go camping in France every year 
Oh really? Yeah. Queer event France. So oh, you don't like change? That would just look that. Oh, I loved it. Do you think that's because of your child doing the I same thing? I think the same thing. And it was great because they used to do this thing where you'd get to choose, uh, like once a week, you got to choose the day's activity. So is that my, your family thing or the camping? Thing? Uh, my family thing. Okay. So my brother would always choose, you know, like BMX riding or, you know, something like that. I love the way you say that, like, because um, if an actor was told to say it with a little bit of distaste, in the, they couldn't do it quite as well as that, Ruth. <laughs> my brother would always choose camping, uh, BMXing. <laughs> I hate my brother. <laughs> well, I just, I did at the time. We didn't get on until we were like 16. But, oh my uh, God, that's a long time yeah, to Yeah, we got on. on really well until we were about seven and then didn't get on. Just didn't mesh at all. And it what would you want to do rather than BMXing? What I wanted to do, and it was always my choice every year, was um, I would say, "Can I sit and read, please?" And I'd sit, <laughs> <laughs> I'd sit in the shade. No, was that because you enjoyed it, or to piss your brother off a little oh, bit? Oh no, I just loved it. Oh really? I remember one year my mum had got a load of books that they were throwing out of the library, the school she worked at. So there was just like a box, cardboard box, full of books. And I, that was what I took on holiday with me. That was my suitcase, was this box of books. Oh, really? Uh, box of books and a swimming costume. That was it. And, uh, yeah, and I just worked my way through them. And favourite book on your camping holiday? There's one that I remember, I really remember. It was called The Candle in the Window, and it was fucking terrifying. Candle in the Window? Do you yeah. think that's where Elton John got his idea? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if he did, it would have been a ghost bookstore. Well, strangely. Yeah, weirdly. It was really terrifying. It was kind of about a candle. I can't remember it all, but there was there was a like a kind of possessed doll and a and a burning candle and. I kind of feel the need to Google that now. Candle in the window. I'll find. What I want you to do is send me the picture of you in your um in your ski jacket so I can put it up on my website as a little companion oh, photograph God. for no this podcast. To <laughs> it's too funny. It's awful with my teeth all wonky. <laughs> I like that. And I like that I'm going on holiday every year. Where about in France did you go? All over. I went to a different place every year. All oh, right. So it wasn't sort of creature habit same place. No, it was we took the trailer tent and uh, I love it. We'd drive over. So you've got quite a stable home life. Why? Yeah. How come you're a comic? <laughs> I don't know. They didn't think I was going to be. They thought it would be my brother who'd be there. Oh, really? Performer. The misfit, the social misfit? Yeah, I was really quiet. Really? Yeah, really quiet. I still am. When I first meet people in big I groups... I can't imagine you being quiet. No, it's amazing, isn't it? I like them. It's, it's yeah. difficult to get your head done when you know someone. I think my favourite yeah, story really about quiet. you is when you turned up at my party and my barbecue and realised that everyone else was a lot drunker than you and decided to play catch-up. Do you oh, remember God. that? And you were drinking Pims. Pints of Pims. Oh, it was just delicious and glorious. Because I was on that sort of couple of glasses of Rosie an hour drunk and you were in the crazy, (laughs) crazy hectic. That was when I swore to your son. Oh, that was hilarious. I I still don't think I did. I remember saying, Max, this is a terrible book. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to tell this story. (laughs) So Ruth read Max a bedtime story and Max must have been about... Four or four, five, yeah. four. Max is now nearly eleven. To put this in context, yeah, because people don't, we don't realize how old we're getting until we look no. at the kids and realize how old they are. Riley, my youngest, is now the same age as Max when you first met him. It's crazy, isn't oh it? My, yeah, that yeah, is crazy. That is crazy. But anyway, so um, Ruth was like, "I'm going to read to Max. I'll read him his bedtime story." 
So which was fine. Ruth read the bedtime story and then put Max to bed and that was lovely. And I went and said goodnight. Nah, 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 nah. And all was good until about three days later yeah. when I went to read Max a, a, a bedtime story. And he said, no, I don't want that book. Ruth says that one's shit. <laughs> oh, so does she indeed? Uh, hello, Ruth. <laughs> I do remember the phone call when you told me. <laughs> I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. It's fine. Oh. You know, I'm sure he says a lot worse now. It gets to that yeah. point where... Because we just have to sort of enforce that they can't swear um, in front of people. Like, with our youngest, we've told him... You know, ideally, they don't swear at all, but occasionally they... With, with my, my parents, and certainly with my husband's parents, they hear the odd swear word. Yeah. So we've taught Riley that the worst word in the world is turkey. So he kind of like... If he wants to be really bad, he goes, turkey. And then he waits for us all to go, oh, Riley, you mustn't say that. But um, the other day, another day there, he was playing on the iPad and he went, oh, fuck. <laughs> and I said, that makes no sense. What does that mean? He went, oh, it's just something you say when everything goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really argue with that, can yeah. I? But that's what my mum said that with uh, when we were little. She thought she hadn't uh, sworn a lot until uh, until I was about two and we were really, like, we were super posh when we were kids because my mum sounds like she came from finishing school. She comes from Wolverhampton. You'd never really? know it. Yeah. Did she go, did she retrain her accent? No, her or? mother refused to let, because my, my grandmother had, she had the white when, why are you doing that? Oh, really? Uh, voice. And so she refused to let her kids have a Wolverhampton accent. So they speak, I mean, my mum's much posher than my uncle, but, uh, and so when we were really small. I think small, women often are. I think yeah. women are more likely to change their accent than guys are. Yeah. I mean, I think my, I mine's don't mean that in a sort of sweeping Tim Hunt type generalisation. <laughs> Although, did you read his, uh, what he said about that? I feel a bit sorry for him because he was I like, I, I sort of made a stupid comment and then it got picked up. And his wife was like, oh, he's always saying stupid things like that. But he's, you know, he's actually done a lot for science in the country for men and women. You know, he's not. He was at a woman in science meeting. Yeah, I, I know I mean, it was a, a dicky thing to say. I kind of feel like... But I did read the other side of it, or his side of it, and just go, yeah, you know, idiot, but, you know. He lost it. His career's not over. He still won the Nobel Prize. I think his career kind of is over. But then his, his career, he was like, the job he had was a figurehead anyway. It wasn't like a... No, he had quite a lot of jobs, that's the thing. The one at UCL that he's been sacked from, though, was, was like a figurehead. He was sacked another one because he was sacked from the... Well, he resigned from the UCL job. Well, they gave him, they called him up and said, either you resign or we're going to fire you, is what yeah. happened. But also I think men in that position shouldn't be making those jokes because you make it all right for the morons. Yeah. And there are morons who will think that wasn't a joke and go, yes, well, he said totally that, but it wasn't agree. a joke. I totally so I think that... Yes, you might feel a bit sorry for him, but I think it's a great lesson. I think what I feel sorry people... for him is not... I don't feel sorry for him in terms of uh, him saying it and, you know... what I guess what I feel for people now is that you can so easily take a comment out of context and chuck it on Twitter. And, uh, and then, you know, Twitter goes ballistic at you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it also seems to be being reported as fact in papers which I think is just lazy journalism I think it's so lazy like, you know when you it do, says yeah just... and such and such tweeted no, you know, that's yeah, not journalism no I can I can look that up if I want to know like, tell me if something if I want to know what time. Al Murray was saying I can just check my Twitter timeline <laughs> it's really easy so that's I, I think that's what I feel 
the trial by social media. Yeah, is, right. I, I find that really I, I know what you mean, but I still think men in his position can't make those yes, kind of jokes because then you make it okay for other people who are not in that position to make those yeah. kind of jokes. And the kind of shit I deal with day in, day out at a comedy club, if I was a lawyer or a scientist or in a lab or something, if there was somewhere accountable, there'd be uh, employment tribunals because yeah. of the stuff that gets yelled at me. But I have to deal with it because I'm a stand-up. And I, until there's something put in place that's going to protect people shouting, you know, get your tits out or you've got a nice ass. Or, yeah, or the stuff yeah. I get day in, day out, which if I take it on stage, means that any other young, impressionable boy who hears that coming from a grown-up thinks that's okay. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I agree that... Uh... I agree that you should... I, th- I guess what I'm saying is I find the the way we now deal with this stuff, because we deal with it with the the um, the hyperactivity of Twitter and the, and the hyper kind of... Uh, right, we're going we're gonna to go for this person. Yeah, yeah. It's so sensitive. And you go, just calm down. It's like a, a weird vigilante mob where you just go, can we not... I guess what I, what I would like is a bit more... Um, common sense just a bit reasonable more calm. dialogue just be reasonable yeah. just say that you should you probably shouldn't say that i think the problem is you should though, apologize for saying that you should say you were wrong for saying that you can lose your job for that but to have this weird kind of and i don't even want to use the word witch hunt because um i don't i don't like that word uh this kind of you know um Pushing to yeah, trial by trial by social media. You know, everyone gets up on their high horse about stuff. And you go, do you have the facts? Do you have anything? No, you've heard someone. It would be like if someone said to me, "Oh, you know what so and so said," and I'm like, "Right, I hate that person." (laughs) You're like, but did they ever actually say it? In what context was it said? Have you taken it out of context? Have you, you know? And then you know, and then I went round with a megaphone shouting out through London you know <laughs> everyone should hate this person everyone should hate Wendy yeah. she said my top doesn't suit me <laughs> not that your top doesn't suit you I'm well, just using I it as an example with the stripes um, do oh, you yeah. think um, I'm trying to think of the first time that I became aware of something kicking off on Twitter and I think it might have been the Andrew Sachs Russell Brand thing oh yeah do you remember when they yeah. phoned up they phoned uh, Russell Brand and Jonathan Ross phoned up Andrew Sachs and left a vile message on his but answer his machine because I think Russell Brand had slept with Andrew Sachs' granddaughter, That's right. and that was the context of the phone call. And yeah. it, in the previous, like like us chatting here now, Jonathan Ross and Russell Brand were having a giggle and got, it had gone too far. But they'd done it on a radio. They'd show. They'd done it on right? a radio show, and uh, a producer hadn't gone. That's guys, guys no. can't you know? I kind of feel that that's what a producer is in there is there for because really us creative job. types <laughs> yeah. can go off on one, and if you don't get told off, you carry on, don't yeah. you? Yeah. And I thought you know, and that was outrageous. But then, could, is that the first one? There's, or there's been there's been so many now. I kind of, I, I mean, maybe maybe this is cowardly of me, but I I tend to just um, unfollow people who get involved in them. I unfollow people who, like, I blocked this woman because I chatted to Al Murray, who I know through work, and she had uh, gone through all my photographs and found a photograph of, like, I mean, part of me doesn't even want to give her any air time, yeah, but at yeah. the same time I was so taken aback. Found a photograph of me, one, um, about three or four years, no, it must be three years ago, I was flying up to Glasgow on an easy jet flight. And there was a seat next to me, vacant. And just before the flight took off, this guy got on and sat down next to me, and it was Mike Tyson. 
Now, my brother-in-law's a massive boxing fan. Whatever you're sort of... I know he's done bad things or whatever. Chatted to him in the way that you do next to someone on a flight. Seemed like a nice chat. Had his wife and child with him. Chat, 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 chat. Get off the plane. And I said to him, would you mind holding the baby so I can have a photograph? And we were laughing and he took the baby. And I took the photograph and sent it to my brother-in-law. Ha, ha, ha. And then put it on Twitter a, a few weeks later. So this lady had gone through all my photographs and gone, oh my God, what kind of parent are you handing your child to a rapist? And I was just kind of like, and I <laughs> tweeted back, wow, you seem really angry. <laughs> <laughs> because I just couldn't see, you know, you've taken the time yeah, to, go to go through, through my, photographs my photos to find out something you can shout about. And that kind of level of anger baffled me. Yeah, a lot of it baffles me. I was talking to uh, Lucy Porch about this the other day on her thing, um, that uh, on her foobar thing, that what baffled me... So when um, Lucy Trod and I did our radio show, when it first went out, it went out at the 11 o'clock slot. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's nice, people listen to it, but no one no one says anything. Got a repeat on the 6.30 slot uh, this year. And... Uh, they come out of the woodwork and they just yeah I mean I I got the least of it but Lucy got most of it like why what does he say uh, just you just get uh, a good 10 minutes of abuse when it starts just abuse about you not being funny or women in general not being funny or you know I'm waiting for the archers I can't believe this is on well if you're waiting for the archers (laughs) you're not going to enjoy me you know what time it starts just don't turn this on the archers that famously movable broadcast (laughs) time and I was just like what but you get this this weird and people but so to find me they have to seek me out because Lucy's trod on brat on the thing so the show's trod on brat she's trod on brat on twitter so it's easy for them to find her to find me it's a little bit harder but they they do it and a lot of them say i listened for 30 minutes and i and well why did you listen for 30 minutes then if you hated it turn it off that's what i do yeah i haven't i haven't watched anything or listened to anything that's made me so angry i've had to seek out the person who made it and tell them how much I hate them. Like that, that's just weird. Like it's it's really odd. And there was one woman who it's found a... me on Facebook and that's really hard to do because of my privacy settings. Yeah. And it was when we were out in, uh, we were touring this a uh, couple of weeks ago. We were out in Singapore and um, and I was just sitting having, like just having the nicest time. We were in Singapore mm-hmm. and I don't really go on Facebook anymore but I had it on my iPad and it's different on your iPad because you get, so I could see the others thing feed that uh-huh. I don't I hadn't seen. What's that? So like your messages, you get some others. So you oh. get all your messages, and then there's another feed for people what who don't that? know you but send you messages. Oh. Yeah, I know, right? Oh. So, um, so this woman um, had gone on Facebook to find me, which would take some doing because of my privacy settings. She must have really like really sought me out. And then said, um, I, I wanted to write to you to tell you how much I hated your show. <laughs> I, I listened to it for 30 minutes in the hope that it would get better, but it never did. It, it was, I'm sorry, it was truly awful. And I was like, wow, what? okay. And so I just wrote back something like, well, I'm really sorry you felt the need to tell me this. And I'm really sorry you didn't enjoy it. Um, just so you know, you, you don't need to tell me. Uh, but, you know, thanks very much for your feedback. And then she sent me this message back talking about how, quoting Machiavelli at me, uh, that I that um, I obviously only only liked flattery and didn't like criticism and, and couldn't bear the truth. And then she blocked me, so I, <laughs> so I, couldn't, I couldn't write back. And I was like, oh, and I was like, no, 
no, now you're saying that your opinion is the truth. That's it's that's not. not. That's your truth. opinion, and you're welcome to it. And you can hate what I do. You can absolutely hate it. I don't give a shit. But don't then tell me that is the truth, and that if I don't listen to you, because I don't listen to the good stuff either. That's a choice I've I made recently. I can't read anything. I don't. I don't read any yet. reviews of anything ever anymore. I read no reviews uh, because I don't. I don't want to know anything about what Have anyone you googled your name. No, not for years. One of my friends Googled her name and um, let's call it, I'm going to change her name obviously. And she Googled it and the first thing that came up was this poem called Claire Richardson is a Witch. <laughs> and, uh, and her ex-boyfriend that had written a poem with like loads of personal things in it. That oh my he had, She was like, you need to take that down or I'm going to get a lawyer on to you. But just... Just, yeah, no, I would that, never that, do that. that I remember the pathway to help, but there's loads of people who Google their names. There's loads of people. There must be. And people who have Google alerts when their name is mentioned. Yeah. I didn't even know about that until my agent said... Uh, someone else told me about that. Yeah, someone said, well, I've, Googled alert, I've, go- I've set up Google alerts for your name and I'm getting a few things in for your show. And I was kind of like, what is that? And then she explained, yeah, I said, I'm I don't all right, know. I don't need to know that. No, I haven't. I haven't googled myself since I first discovered Google. And I went, oh, I wonder what this is. And the reason why I, oh, I stopped doing it was because do you remember that thing, Fuck You, that I did? Yes, I loved that show. Yeah, I really loved that show. Did you do it? No, oh. I was never asked. Ruth. There were, well, I tell you what, I couldn't find anyone. We've asked all the women. I'm like, hey, guys, you no. This was the weird thing. So when I went up for it, they um, they said, oh, there, there just aren't any funny women. We're finding it really hard. And I was like, oh, I could. I could name you some names. Fifteen. And I did... That would be uh, yeah. That's all you need. You just need fifteen. You need one for every show. It's really simple. And then I was booked... Well, because when I was first booked, I was booked to write on it. Because it, uh, the producers wanted me, but Channel 4 didn't. And then I, in the um, preview week, mm-hmm. uh, they said, oh, can you... Um, oh our guest hasn't turned up our female guest hasn't oh turned God. up can you go on and I went, so yeah, then they right. book people who don't even turn up yeah so then I went on and then they liked me on the actual you know preview show so then they booked me for 9 out of the 15 or 9 out of the 14 because they couldn't find any other women and I went guys there's tons I mean I'm not turning down this work because it's really nice but I could tell you tons of women so it was really weird for me to be it's and that so was the bizarre, first time though. I kind of hit that but then I see they get they get girls on like there was a radio show I was listening to recently and they had a female comic on talking about getting booked on panel shows and they were saying is it difficult for women to get booked on panel shows and she was kind of going well I, I'm alright because I'm, I'm, I'm now getting booked on them Yeah. but then so you get someone on to comment about how women are, aren't getting on panel shows but then you don't pick someone who's, who's not, not getting, getting on, on a panel, panel show to discuss yeah. it so it's a really, it was, it was, yeah. I mean, it's weird, right? They're, of course, they're not getting on panel shows as much. You can see it. You can, you can see it just in the in the demographic that is on the panel show. But then, like, I have people who say to me, "But you know, there's not that. There's not as many women in comedy as there are men." I I always say, okay, would you um, j- just change the word "woman" for the word "black" or the word "disabled"? Or the word. Now, would you feel comfortable saying these things that you're saying and making these statements with those words in? No? Well, then it's discrimination. So just stop, stop doing it because it's clear. <laughs> just, just, just change the words and see how comfortable you feel. <laughs> we'll go with it. But, but I always feel really sorry for these like TV presenters or pop stars or whatever when they get them on. And they get this lovely female pop star on and six comics who are the equivalent of... You know, they could sell out 
sort of small, you know, theatres in yeah. small towns, and they get these sort of company chairman type comedians with the company secretary, basically, if it's a sort of nice, smiley young girl, and they're going to go on a comedy rant. Uh, it's our job as comics to go throughout the country to take on people that are ranting and shut them up and slam them down and, and banter with male comics. We do yeah, it day yeah. in and day out. So you get a better banter with a male comic and a female comic than you would do with a male comic and a and a, pop, know, star. a pop star. because Not because she's not as bright as we are, just because she's not in that arena. That's not what she's doing, yeah. I know, I find it. And I always like, I'm, I'm, I, it always makes me laugh now when I see it on TV and the male comic makes a joke and then it, <laughs> it cuts to the pop star and what's she doing? <laughs> she's not joining in, she's no. just laughing at the hilarious yeah. boy. <laughs> Although what I love is that a lot of them, they do the same with the women comics because they've cut out the funny thing they yeah. said afterwards anyway. <laughs> God forbid a vagina's oh. hilarious. <laughs> But going back to why I, about fuck you, the reason why I stopped googling my name was I googled my name just after I'd done that, and someone had written, "Oh, the overweight brunette's not very funny, is she?" <laughs> <laughs> I went, okay, now I'm never going on that again. <laughs> oh, did you see that brilliant takedown that John Stewart did of um, Caitlyn Jenner? Yeah. When he was like, you know, and then... Well, Welcome to being a woman. <laughs> you see, as a man, we could judge you on your business acumen and your achievements as an Olympian, but now you're a woman. Do we want to bang you? Oh, it's just and so then, horrible. She's actually really good looking for her age. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, there we go. There comes that peach. It's amazing. It's really kind of... Uh, all of that stuff I find really intriguing. I did this podcast with my daughter and her friend and I asked them who their role models were. And they said their role models were Will Ferrell. (laughs) And and like guys. And I was kind of like, and I didn't want to say, but they're guys. I was kind of like, oh wow, you're not seeing your role models as having a gender. I don't know, having an agenda, having a gender. Gender. Sorry. Um, And I just thought it was really interesting. That is interesting. That is interesting. And then, but then not wanting to curtail that by going, cool, is, is this evolution? Yeah. Is this evolution in action is that your role really... models are guys? Yeah. But it, yeah, it was, in, I tell you when I found it really interesting, like when we were asked, me and uh, Chod were asked to do a, um, you know, heroes in comedy thing. And we were going through them and most of them were men. Really? Yeah. And it wasn't, I, d- I don't think it was, and then when we actually thought about it, you know, the, the first ones that came to mind, we were going, well, Morecambe and Wise, because that's kind of who oh, really? we want to be. <laughs> and uh, the goons and, you know, and then we were kind of, and, you know, French and Saunders, of course, are in there. And but I love was... Pamela Stevenson on um, Not the Nine O'Clock News. Oh, yeah, she was great. She was so great. And also she was beautiful. Yeah. And I remember thinking, wow. But, yeah, and I remember... But I remembered afterwards, like, who did I, you know, who did I go, ah, oh, that's it. They're doing what I want to be doing. And it was, like, Julie Walters and Victoria Wood. And and also, especially with, like, someone like Victoria Wood, who is not, who was not the kind of woman that you always saw on television. You know, mm-hmm. she's, she's, she had a bowl haircut and was, you know, wore a suit. She wasn't, <laughs> she wasn't like a glamour lady. I think, actually, my role models were the roly-polies. I loved them. I loved Do you remember them? <laughs> what were but they it, on? 
wasn't Ross Abbott, was it? Oh, Bella Emberg. I really wanted there. to be Bella Emberg. I remember um, that my uncle was a physio in Devon and he used to do Torquay United. He was a physio for Torquay United. But also during the, the in the olden days when I was a little girl, they used to have summer seasons yeah. where um, stars would go and do the summer season at an end of pier theatre. And I remember once in the waiting room because he had a spiral staircase that went up from his lounge to his to his upstairs and there was a wall that divided so you could go up the spiral staircase and peer over and have a look in the waiting room and I remember there was three roly polies in the waiting room <laughs> my uncle going Wendy go and have a look there's three roly polies in the waiting room were they in this clearly <laughs> no they weren't but I remember being oh my god there's a roly poly oh, roly polies what a brilliant thing but I, do, I sort of look now and I, I go what what are the role models for girls? It's kind of alarming now. It is alarming. And I kind of feel like the one that the, the sort of... And even going back to what Tim Hunt said, yeah, you know, people going, well, it's an overreaction, he should have been sacked, he said this, he said that. But I kind of feel that by not standing up and by not shouting about it, it's much worse than just letting it go yeah, because yeah. we're going, yeah, he said something bad about women, but we're all okay with that. Yeah, I do, yeah it's not that. and Because... I, 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 my feminist principles got reawakened because I was like militant when I was 13, 14. Like, like really. Because of course, you know you know the most at 13 and then you know less and less and less yeah, yeah. as time goes on. Well, and also, I was really, it was when I was four, it was when I was 14 that I actually discovered sexism because um, in my family, all the women worked. Like my grandmothers both worked and my mum's mother was a deputy head of a, a school at a time when women who had family who were married with families didn't didn't do that like mm. normally in the 50s you gave up you gave up your work well the work 50s was like one you, of the worst time for a feminist yeah, but she went I'm not giving up I'm going to work she wasn't a feminist she would have hated to be called a feminist in fact uh, I did call her one once and she hated it <laughs> I went but you are like you yeah. carried on working even though that wasn't the done thing, even though you had kids at home and your husband worked and, you know. So I never, and my mum always worked, so I never realised that it was an option not to for yeah. a woman. I just didn't know. Me neither. And all of my friends' parents <laughs> I my surprise when I, I discovered know. that. And then, uh, and then I remember it was like, in the we had a really awful Tory MP in our constituency. Well, that narrows it down. Who said in 90, it must have been like 90, 1990 or 1989, uh, said that women's place was in the home and that they shouldn't go out to work. And I remember going, well, what 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 are they supposed to do then? Because I, <laughs> I just didn't know there was the option. And that was when I kind of woke up to it. And the weird thing is recently is I remember uh, seeing adverts in the 80s and 90s that made my blood boil as a teenager, you know, the kind of women lying on cars and people used to graffiti on them you know I remember there was one of like a woman lying on a car and over it someone had written in my as a day job I'm a brain surgeon <laughs> 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 really like, um, and I really loved all that but then recently all these adverts are coming out that you go these are like ones from the 1980s. They're even yeah. further back. Like they're... I'm kind of hoping we're in the like we're in the death throes of sexism, and that's yeah. why there's so much of it coming up. But yesterday, yesterday, Sunday, I watched a film with my daughter. We were like, we'd do a sort of chick flick yeah. on the sofa, and we were watching this film, and she really wanted to see it, and it was called The Other Woman. You heard about it? No. It's shocking. So there's this handsome man who's married to. Um, 
what's Judd Apatow's wife called? Ashley Judd. No. No. I've made that oh, up. Oh God, I can't remember. I'll Google it. So basically, he's married to one woman. Cameron Diaz is the other woman. They find out he's cheating, and that he's got another mistress who is Kate Upton, and they set about bringing him down. That's the plotline of the film. Three women not confronting the guy who's cheating on them, but plotting ways behind his back to bring him down. Uh, I, I was talking about this yesterday, how um, <laughs> how conservative Hollywood still is. <laughs> I mean, so conservative. Because America's so conservative, right? So it has to be conservative. Leslie Mann. Leslie, Leslie Mann. Because it's got to sell in, you know, Arizona or mm-hmm. wherever. But um, like, I find it really difficult um, watching most films because... The women are so rubbish. And I love it when... Like, on uh, on ITV3 or ITV2, they're always showing Couples Retreat. Always. It's just, What's Couples Retreat? Oh, it's a, a terrible film <laughs> with Vince Vaughn. And it's on all the time. It's on all the time. And the men are really having fun. And the women are just the women who go, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. And that's all women do in films. They just go, oh... Well, there's a Bechdel test. Have you heard about that? Yeah, which... Uh, or the Bechamel test, as I like to call Bechdel, it. Bechdel. Uh, well, can two people uh, make white sauce while not talking about men? It's <laughs> <laughs> the test. <laughs> the best test is that test where um, two female characters in a film can discuss something other than the male characters in yeah. a film, and they and there's no, very few yeah, films that do any that. Films pass it. There is um, in uh, Sweden there is a film festival which only show films that pass the best test. Oh wow! Which I thought I'd love which to I see thought that. was some like real scientific proof, but it turns like it's from a it's from a comic strip. It originated from a comic strip. Yeah. But, um, it's really it, it's really depressing, and so a friend of mine went and saw um, Jurassic Park, the new one, and said he really loved it. But uh, he said the only problem with it is is it runs to that. So there, there's a woman in it. He said it's really misogynistic. <laughs> there's a woman in it who starts out she's a like a ball breaking, you know, career woman, and by the end of the film she realizes that what she really wants is to get married and have babies. Um, which kind of, even a, a lot of films, like I remember people talking about Bridesmaids and how much they loved it. And I found it really frustrating because the ultimate end was that she was only happy when she was in a relationship with a man, actually. So even though all of the stuff had been about women and about women's relationships, her happiness was dependent on, on, being a, guy. In, on a guy. And I, that so it, it still followed all of the, the rom-com tropes that make me cross about rom-com. Oh, right. Where I'm like, what about a woman who doesn't want to get married? And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. What about a woman who doesn't want to have kids? Do you know what? That's okay. Yeah, it and is. It's, and it doesn't make you... I mean, I think I'm more sensitive to it because I don't want to have children. Um, and I'm so bored of the discussion. Uh, do you get a lot? Do people ask you about it? Yeah, it's amazing. I have started saying, do you realise what you're asking? <laughs> really? Do you realise actually what you're asking? Because I have to say, I think having kids... Here we go. Oh, before I say this, I'm feeling nervous. But I think <laughs> it is one of the most selfish things you can do. Yeah. Because nobody has a child going, I'm going to give this child the best life ever. I'm going to be so excited to sit outside Bali or sit outside piano or get up at the crack of dawn or curtail my drinking so I can get up with a baby. No one thinks that. They mm. think... I want a baby. Yeah. It looks like half of me and half of him. Yeah. That, that, that's where that feeling well, comes from. This is the weird thing, because I've had people say it's very selfish not to have one. I'm like, how is it How mm. is it more selfish not to have one than it is to have one? Every decision you make 
has a selfish edge to it because it's about yourself. Yeah. That's the point. There's nothing wrong with being selfish. And someone told me something yesterday. No, Saturday. You don't need to know what day it was. Someone told me something. <laughs> our children are way more likely to be like our parents than us because we are um, reactions to and causes of our parents and they are reactions to and causes of us. Oh, so they'll so go back. So they'll to... kind of go... So oh, if I've got... You got if I'm just let, let's put this in another context. If someone say has a really selfish, self-centered mother, and they decide <laughs> they're not going to be selfish and self-centered, often the that can lead to a self-centered, selfish child because you've tried so hard to be the other way. I can you know, see that. I can really see that. Obviously, that doesn't. That's not the scientific explanation. No, but, but I kind of was like, oh, that's horrific. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a. It's I a, can't believe people ask you. Yeah. Don't you yeah. just tell them to fuck off? Well, I've, I've, I've taken to saying, I'm barren! <laughs> which, <laughs> which makes me really happy. Uh, but And just because it makes people awkward. But you do go, you do realise what you're actually asking me is, are you having unprotected sex? Are you having sex? What's your uh, partner's motility like? Have you got any underlying issues? You're asking it's about really something no one's incredibly business. personal. And like, because someone said to me, because um, my brother doesn't have kids either, and someone said to me, oh, well, you know, what, why doesn't he have children? And I went, I, I don't know. I, I've, it's not my, it's not business. my business. I mean, you know, I did have a chat with him actually on the way back from my grand's funeral. We had a really long chat about it. This is going out um, on, on iTunes. Just to... Oh, yeah, I won't, I okay, won't okay. say why. Um, but we did actually have a chat because that was the, that was the time when we could. Because we, could, yeah. we were sitting in a car for hours and, you know, we'd just been at a just family thing. Hard. And it was, you know. But it's not something that I really ever talk it's to anyone about business. and it's no one's business but I think what it is this is what I think it is I've got two theories on all this okay one is that people ask you that stuff it was partly just for something to say you know we think it's small talk but it's actually not it's um, alarming what's acceptable to talk yeah. about now because you'd much rather ask someone why they don't have babies than what their salary is yes Weird, which is, I, I kind of feel it's a lot more reasonable to ask someone yeah, you how can much ask they're me earning. Much I earn, <laughs> and a we can bond on the hello attack threshold we're on. But I was like, you know, it, I think it's partly because you're if you if you don't if you don't follow the path of uh, meeting someone, getting engaged, getting married, having babies, doing that path, which is the societal norm still. That is the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, you're then living outside it, so people want to want to normalise you because that's how society works, right? You you want to create what norm, you know normality, yeah. and you want to put people into boxes of things. And you know, and uh, I get it a lot now with me and my fella. Like people say, "Well, oh, are you going to get married?" And it's like, and someone asked me the other day, and I went, "Do you know what? We have never talked about it. Never once had a serious discussion about it because it's not." something either of us are that bothered by I, you know if it happened it will happen if I it doesn't astonishing. It's, it's amazing isn't it and I, and I know where it comes from because it's people wanting to work out what your relationship is and where you are and you know and then and then if they've asked about marriage then they'll probably get round to children and then so uh, and then divorce of, and then divorce yeah. but I find it really weird when I was I was talking about this the other day there about how when I split up from my first husband and when we were going through divorce, the amount of people who wouldn't touch me with a barge pole and I kind of, and I was really, because I was so fragile at the time, mm. really upset by that and really wounded by that. And then looking back, I think people think it's catching because <laughs> if you have gone to your, in your relationship, do you know what? This is yeah. enough. I'm not going, I'm not moving forward with this relationship the way it is. It's quite a brutal and honest thing to do. 
And that kind of forces people to examine their relationships and often they don't want yeah. to examine them. Well, and I think that's what a, lo- a lot of it is as well. Like if you make choices that are not the norm choices, you are then, people seem to think that you are by extension making a judgment of their choices. So when it, and, and <clears throat> I think it especially it happens for women, and this is, this is my really serious point about it, is that we still identify women by their procreative state. And I refuse to call it choices because I, I don't think it is necessarily choices. Like me not wanting kids is not a choice. It's just something that has always been... I've never wanted them. I didn't one day go, no, I don't think I will. Yeah. I've just, it's never. And also, there might a be a thing. window when somebody wants them, miss that window, and then go, okay, well, I'm fine with mind that. It. I don't mind. Well, I did have a, because when I was, do you remember when I put that picture up on Twitter and you went, oh my God, are you pregnant? And oh, I was yeah. like, no, no. Because <laughs> I was in that. I just uh, see what's in front of me and call it. <laughs> I don't do any digging. I'm one of those terrible people that. It must a, be true. It must be true. I was filming, so I had a massive bump. Uh, I was playing a pregnant woman, and um, and that that there were a lot of people going, "Oh, is it making you feel broody?" I'm like, "No, it's a really uncomfortable yeah. pregnancy bump, a fake one." <laughs> There's one thing that's not going to make you feel broody. <laughs> it's, it's this. But the the lead uh, in that was we were sitting having a chat, and because obviously because I had this bump, a lot of people were going, "Oh, do you have kids then?" No, no. And um, and she and I were talking about it, and I was saying, you know, I just don't want them, and I never have. And she said she had a friend like that who who then started to get the um, hormonal thing that you that I know is probably coming. I know it's probably coming. Uh, and she and she realised that it was all hormonal, and so she just went into therapy for three years until it passed because she would go and go. I know logically and intellectually that I do not want children, but my body's telling me I do. Can we please talk through this yeah. until I no longer want them? And it was, and I was like, that makes a lot of sense to me. That makes, because you do go, but, but it is a thing that we still judge women on that. So women are defined by it in a way that men aren't. You never hear about a working father, but you will always hear about a working mother. Mm-hmm. A woman is not just a woman who works and has children. A man is a man who works and has children. I tell you a what, woman I is always a mother yeah. or not a mother. I find it astonishing that um, my husband will come home from work, and he's not a bad guy, he's one of the good ones. He'll come home from work and go, oh, and sit down and flop. I'll come home from work, do dinner, do the homework, you know, and, and, and he's one of the good ones. And it's kind of like, yeah. my work doesn't finish when I've stopped working. Well, this is another thing I realised. Like, uh, you know, my fella, I uh, adore him. He's fantastic. But I'm also really aware of what he's like. And he, <laughs> he would not be a hands-on dad. You know, when you go, yeah. no, he'd be a hands-off. And I, because I'm not bothered about it and I don't really want them. So the idea of then having to be kind of sole responsibility... and in the most enlightened of relationships every single one I've seen when the woman has a baby the woman ends up being the primary caregiver for a child no matter how I know one where that is not the case I know one too but But it's generally that way around and I I get it I get it Mm -hmm. but it's um, and often it's a a choice that the woman has made that Mm -hmm. she doesn't want to you know she wants to look after her kids it's nice to be needed as a mummy it's nice to be needed I have yet to see a comedian about to walk on stage and get a phone call from someone saying oh where's the cow ball (laughs) yeah (laughs) because women always know where the fucking cow ball is (laughs) but it's but I find it all very interesting that even even after you've done those things like uh, so my comedy partner gets a lot people asking when when she's going to have a second I, I told my daughter the other day there you mustn't ever ask that because you don't know how often people have been trying 
or if they've miscarried yesterday. Exactly. You and don't also, know. Like just because. So now you've had one because she used to, she used to ask me a bit, you know, and then and I always used to go, I said, oh, just let's not talk about it. And then she suddenly went, I totally get it now. I totally get it because everyone has an opinion on whether her son should be an only child or not. It's just like Nobody's it's business. no one's business. This is my family, my body, my my. But I think career, the worst of it, the my... worst of it, comes from women. It's what's what I find astonishing. That's and it's, why I think it's, it's about... really upsetting because women. In their, in their striving to become the best mother or the best friend or the best daughter or the best wife, whatever it is that you're striving to be, you kind of look at other women. And I don't know if it's because we've been brought up or conditioned socially or if it's some kind of inbuilt thing where we kind of think, well, if I'm doing better than her, I'm, I'm, I'm having an OKD. Yeah. And it means that you bring other women down, whether well, you mean to or not, and I you see so much of it. I think a lot of that is to do with so because we are societally defined by our procreative state so you're constantly in you're constantly in some kind of um it's not even competition just in some kind of yeah and so you're always so when a woman has had a kid then a woman who hasn't had a kid becomes somehow a statement on so my childness, childlessness becomes a statement on your having children. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even though it isn't, because that's the way society defines us. And then because everything is seen through, and it still is seen through the male gaze. So women, even though we see other women, we see them as they are defined by society, which is through the male gaze, not through the female gaze. Mm-hmm. So we're always looking at women in a in a way that is skewed from how we would look at them if we were in a matriarchy. It's weird. I know, yeah. There was, um, I remember I've seen the most, the, one of the vilest things I ever saw, and I don't even know how to broach it here. I saw, do you remember Kelly Brook was pregnant for a while? Oh, yeah. You know Kelly Brook? Yeah. She had a relationship with Jason Statham, and then oh, I, that's I, right. she wasn't, she presented the big breakfast, and she's this sort of sexy FHM girl that's she's always. She's got like the. Long brown yeah. hair and like really gorgeous figure, and she fell pregnant, and she was. I think she miscarried at about six months or mm. something, Ooh. and there was an art. Yeah, horrendous. Awful. Must have been awful. And then there was an article in. I don't even want to say the name of the newspaper, so I guess you know what it is. Yeah. But it said about three months after a miscarriage, back to her sexy best. <gasps> and I remember thinking, oh my god! So do people? Would she? If she had had the baby, would she be less sexy, or is it? Well, no, because then she'd have twenty-one days to get back to her sexy best. You well, know. you know, I saw um, Kim Middleton's flaunting her figure today, uh, just under six weeks after having given birth. Oh. But I kind of thought, are you, you know, it like racehorses. If a racehorse had had two kids, had t- had given birth twice and we're still winning races, that would be a good racehorse to buy because you can yeah. win money on races and it breeds. Whereas a woman, <laughs> oh, I don't know, I don't know, she's already had a baby. <laughs> she might still be achieving, but I'm less impressed well, than I used to be. spoiled goods. <laughs> it's weird, it's so weird. But that's what I mean about the, the definition of, of us the male gaze. By, by whether we have children or not. And, and that you there's a kind of judgment on you one way or the other like no one wins out of this yeah. like it's not like you know you can't win you cannot win by having them or not having them and you just have to go well this is this is this is me yeah. this is what i want this do is do you think it's been foisted onto us by guys because they can't have babies or do you think we perpetuate ourselves 
I think women definitely perpetuate a lot of stuff themselves. I mean, you just have to... But this is the interesting thing. Like, we lump it... We, we lump half the population into one group. Like, that's insanity. So, I was... Uh, there was a woman on Twitter the other day. I won't name names. And I'd followed her because she'd said something. And then... Uh, that I liked. And then uh, a bit later on, I realised she's obviously... No, she's a feminist but she's anti-trans and I went okay. Ah, okay no so I may share feminist views with her but I really disagree with her on something quite mm-hmm. clearly um, and um, so that's so when you go so I'm I'm a woman we're women we but that's it that is where our mm-hmm. that's where our similarity ends so of course, you're going to have massive, massively disparate views yeah. within that because it's such a massive amount of people. Did you see that um, speech that Glenda Jackson gave after um, Margaret Thatcher died? Oh no, I wish it I was had. amazing. Look it up on on YouTube; it'll be there. And it's um, uh, she's saying everyone's celebrating Margaret Thatcher for being the first woman to be in power, and she was a woman. And she said, you know, when I was growing up, I'm, I'm doing her a disservice, but look it up. And it's her saying, you know, Margaret Thatcher wasn't a woman I recognise. I grew up with women, you know, looking mm. after the children during the war, doing all the jobs during the war, providing a stable home and family and providing food and keeping the country going during a war. Margaret Thatcher wasn't a woman as I know one, certainly not on my watch. And it was one of those speeches, um, yeah. but it was amazing. Yeah, it's getting goosebumps. Sorry. Have a look at it. It's I will. It's extraordinary. And she's angry about it. And, you know, it's like, it's a lord, so it's pretty much dead. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's a really interesting speech well, about... I find a lot of that really interesting. Like, like you <clears> have <throat> you have a lot of these women who you could kind of go, that's kind of a role model. So, like Margaret Thatcher, there's, you know, she was a woman who got to, you know, the highest thing other than queen basically yeah. you know and so again for me as a kid growing up the two women in control of the country or the two people in control of the country were women so you had the queen and then you had margaret thatcher so again i thought well that's what women do right <laughs> <laughs> okay. here i go i'm rolling up my sleeves i'm getting stuck in oh, and then oh. the internet yeah. then i hit that glass ceiling <laughs> what what can um, you let me in <laughs> I can't get in. <laughs> but then she, so so as a woman, she has this one side of her that you can go, that's incredible. But then also she's, I, I find that kind of thing very tricky because she was also pretty awful. Yeah. So you go, what is the, and, and she hated feminism and she didn't help any other women come up. If anything, she pushed them further yeah. down. And so that that's where it becomes tricky. That, yeah. you know, and of course it's tricky because women are not the same just because they all have a vagina like that's not going to make me exactly the same as any other woman that's Madonna yeah I mean I've tried right but that's why I'm Bitch! wearing this top at the moment yeah, yeah you need tits. to put your tits away seriously they're a little bit in my face bitch that's what she keeps saying on Twitter bitch really yeah well, there was I one really thing that she put on I know well like even even Jay Z's decided he's not going to use it anymore. Really? <laughs> That's what you yeah, where you're going to go? I think you've had your day when Jay Z's gone. Now I've got a daughter. I might not be using that word anymore. <laughs> I love it. It's like somebody might call my daughter that. Maybe it's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, 
but listen, we're out of time. Oh, we've got to rip, but we come got back. So serious. We're not getting serious, but it was a, it was it was great having you. Nice to catch up. Lovely. And to hear about all your internet haters. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> And that we don't really give it too much credence anyway. No, if you're shout, if you're shouting on Twitter, you're essentially shouting at bins. Yeah, let's well, face it. My favourite thing that happened with that was that my fellow got online and because uh, she hadn't blocked him on Facebook, so he <laughs> went on Facebook, found her, and went, "Oh, all of her friends are a bit ugly." <laughs> oh, shaming her, shaming her looks. Yeah, Excellent work. Great. Oh no, male and female. Oh, right, okay, he I'm wasn't, sorry. He wasn't <laughs> mean. <laughs> and then, uh, and she plays chess. So does her husband. So uh, we spent a long time laughing about that. Oh, it was sure the only way to deal I'm with sure it. I'm sure she's very happy. I'm sure she's very happy. Being mean and, yeah. and spewing out vile. But that's the difference, right? I went, so I sat there in the privacy of my own home with my fella, or my own hotel room, with my fella, making oh, fun of someone. you in hotels. I know. Uh, <laughs> for work. Uh, but making fun of uh, someone. But Privately. not putting it on yeah. Twitter. Privately. Not putting it on Facebook. Just, the kids so just have talking a book. about it on iTunes. The kids have a book <laughs> where they're allowed to write down whatever they want. That's their book. I get access to their phones, I get access to their iPads, I get access to their email accounts, so I can read anything. So I say to them, don't put anything online that you don't want me to read, because I'm going to read it all. This is your book. If you want to say anything nasty about anyone or me, put it in the book. But, and I said, I don't, I will never, ever read it. I promise you, I will never, never, ever read it. But recently, my daughter's been leaving it out. (laughs) Obviously, there's something in there. (laughs) She She wants wants me to read. (laughs) But I've not read it. That was the deal. But it just makes me laugh. Because I'm really glad there was no internet when I was a kid. Oh, my God. The stuff I used to say. And I found my diary from when I was a teenager. And you know when you go, oh, you're such a classic idiot. But at least it's private and I can burn it at any point. You can't burn the internet. You can't burn the internet. Now, listen, um, tell us where people can find you and... Uh, if you want to send me some abuse no uh, don't send her abuse <laughs> listen on Radio 4 yes listen on Radio 4 we've got our second series that we're recording uh, in July the end of July so if you go into SRO audiences uh, you can get well, free can tickets come and see yeah uh, that's called Trod on Brat say well done you um, we'll be I'm when will the, be broadcast I think September so if you want to go to the live performance get online now and if you want to come if you want to catch it broadcast yeah. in September uh, or you can find me on Twitter at Ruth Bratt and then I will uh, I'll block you it. I'll block you I'll block you <laughs> if you're people. mean <laughs> uh, I'm also in Showstopper which is on at the Udderbelly for the next like four weeks it's until July the 12th we didn't touch Sunday. on Showstopper it's amazing I love that show so talented. and then we're up in Edinburgh doing that as well for the whole festival so showstopper radio 4 yeah that's me splendid thanks so much for coming in with us love to see you me.